as we settle in and get started this morning, uh, if you're new with us, we've been working our way through uh, a series in the book of Deuteronomy. And so the book of Deuteronomy is about uh, the story of how God calls His people. He, he calls His people, the, the Israelites, that He's been working. It, it started as just a family uh, with the, the patriarch, the, the great father, Abraham, and how he has been slowly setting these people apart for them to be his special people. And he's promised that he's going to give them a land. And so this book, Deuteronomy, that we've been studying is their leader, Moses, has kind of stopped right at the edge of the promised land and turns to address them as they prepare to go in and take what God has promised to them. He wants to turn around and remind them of the greatness of how God has been working in the past and how God has called them to be different than all of the other countries, all the other people of the world uh, as they move forward into the promised land. So uh, we're in Deuteronomy, we're in chapter 6, so as you're finding your way there, if you uh, brought a Bible, I'd invite you to find your way there. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the chair uh, underneath of you, I'd encourage you to grab that. We're going to be on page 90 uh, in those Bibles as we continue through our story. But this morning we're going to be talking about investing. Investing is something that uh, is important to a lot of us. A lot of the time we we hear that word investing and we think of finances. We think of stocks and portfolios and and what are we going to do with the resources that that we've received that we have to hopefully uh, get the most out of them. But there's other things beyond finances that we are able to invest. Other things that we have that we're able to to put to good use. Each and every one of us has a limited amount of time that we're able to invest in certain things. Each and every one of us has just a a limited amount of attention. We can't give attention to everything that we want to give attention to. We have to choose what becomes a priority and what's important to us. We have to choose that carefully so that we give, that we invest, that we put our time and our energy and our attention and our, our finances, we put those things to the best use. And so we're, we're going to be talking about uh, investing our influence today. All of us have influence in some area or another, whether that is as a parent or a grandparent, whether that's as a teacher, a coach, a coworker, a sibling, whatever that looks like for you, all of us have been given influence. And if we will choose to to invest, to use that influence wisely and to use that influence well, it can make a difference in the world. So today's passage that we're going to be looking at, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 15, kind of the the primary focus of it, the address of it is given to parents and to grandparents. But if you don't live in that world right now, if maybe you're, you're younger and you don't have your own family yet, I want you to know that this passage is for you too. Maybe you don't have children in your family. This passage is for you too. Because all of these things that God talks about, about us as parents, as uh, family, passing these things down to the next generation, those same principles apply to you as a high school student, as someone who has influence in your friends' lives. That is a way that you can yield this influence to make a difference in your world as a, a co-worker, as a mentor, as someone who has, wherever it may be, you have an opportunity to use your influence to invest things in other people's lives, to invest 
the love for the Lord that hopefully you have into someone else. So it's important for us. I want you to know everyone has influence. And even though this talks about families and talks about parents, today's message is for everyone. If you have influence in someone else's life, whether it's as a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a coach, a teacher, whatever that is, I want you to raise your hand. And as those hands are raised, I want you to keep your hand up if there's ever been a time when, even though you know that it's an important job as a parent or whatever, if you felt overwhelmed and like you didn't know what you were doing, keep your hand up. Maybe, you, you know, I see some people sticking the other hand up. Look around. You're not alone. Being a parent, being a grandparent, being a mentor, being an influence, it's an overwhelming task sometimes for us, right? Sometimes we don't really feel like we know what we're doing. I wish my kids came with an owner's manual. I don't usually read the owner's manual. I'm one of those guys that just, I'll figure it out type of a thing. I would have read the owner's manual several times for my kids by now because it's just, sometimes we, we, we don't really feel like we know what we're doing. You're not alone. We're all stumbling through this together. But I think today's passage, as we worked our way to this point in Deuteronomy, it has some important words for all of us as we try to yield that influence well. So we're going to start with the first three verses of our passage. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I am commanding you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Here in our passage, we start, we, we see this family emphasis even in the first couple of verses. In verse 2, it says that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord. We, we know, I think we know in our heads, but sometimes we don't acknowledge it, that people are watching us. Every time we go out, every time we are with our family, parents, every time you are spending time with your kids, people are watching you. Every time you go to work, people are watching you. And as people are watching us, people start to see by the way that we talk, by the way that we spend our time, by the way that we spend our resources, they, they start to discern and to see what's important in our lives, right? We pass all kinds of things on to other people by what's important in the things that we say and the things that we do. We pass all kinds of things down to our children. I can remember times growing up where the, the first time that I shaved, it was a fun experience with uh, dad and uh, they, he didn't give me a sharp razor. I just got to like smear shaving cream around on my face. Uh, obviously, I've forgotten how that works since then. Uh, but it was, a, it was a meaningful thing because it was something that I saw dad doing and then I got to, to come of an age where I got to do it. There's other things even beyond our parent investment that other people play a role and have influenced who we've become. I can remember times when I'd go to Nanny and Granddad's house and, and I would just love going down and spending time in Granddad's woodshed. He would have a shop that he would go down and work and we'd nap by the, the, the stove because it was warm down there and, and it was just a fun time. But we would go out fishing. 
I wasn't really a big fan of fishing or, or being outdoorsy when I was younger, but I loved going fishing with my granddad because it was something that we could do together. It was something that I enjoyed because of the relationship that we were building, that I was building with him by spending that time together. As I got older, I can remember there were years when I was in middle school and high school, I was playing ball a lot, and I probably spent more time with some of my coaches than I did with my parents, more time with my coaches than just about anyone else in my life. And as I look back, I can think back to uh, conversations and times where my parents had a huge influence in my life, where grandparents had a huge influence in my life, even where other people that I wasn't related to, they have shaped me and molded me where I am the person that I am today because of the influences of some of those coach, coaches and some of those people uh, that have played a role. So as we think through all of this yielding our influence, I want you to know you have influence in the lives of others. The question is just how do we use it? So these verses, these first few verses, verses 1, 2, and 3, they do a great job of bridging the gap between last week's passage, the last couple of weeks where we've talked about having a big picture, having an understanding of how great our God is, that if we realize that the God who spoke and mountains shook in the book of Deuteronomy, that God is the same God that we interact with. That same power is the one that we get to speak with and pray to and engage with every time we open up his word. And if we would realize how powerful he is and how different he is, it changes the way that we act, right? A couple of weeks ago, my family got an opportunity to go down to the safari park down towards San Diego. And we were walking around and we were looking at all the animals and saw all the different things. And we came around the corner to the lion exhibit. Everybody wants to go see the lions, right? And so we come around the corner and there's this like bridge area uh, where we were standing up and you could look down into the exhibit and you could see the lions. And so we're looking and just marveling at how powerful, how incredible these things are. And we kept going. We walked around the corner. And as you come around the corner, you, you kind of come around to the backside of the exhibit. And there's, there's just the wall there that there's this big, clear plexiglass place where you can walk right up to uh, the exhibit. And so we're looking around and we can't see them. And all of a sudden, the, the daddy, the king lion, comes walking around the corner, walks right up to us, sees, I guess he sees that we're standing there and walks right up to the window. And I'm standing about three feet from this huge, powerful beast. And he's looking me in the eyes. I'm pretty sure he was sizing me up and, uh, you know, putting together a recipe in his head of how I would be best taste. But I'm standing there just a few feet from him. And even with that barrier there, it, it stirred something inside of me. It, it elicited a, a fearful response that there was, like, we locked eyes for just a moment, and uh, it, it's, it's overwhelming thinking of, man, in an instant, if this wall wasn't here, I am done. Like, this is going to change the way that I want to act because I acknowledge and see the power that's standing in front of me in this lion. When we understand how great our God is, it stirs something like that in us. It stirs something inside of us that, that fear is not always a bad thing. And so Deuteronomy chapter 5, it commanded and called us to fear the Lord because God is great and God is powerful and God is deserving of our lives looking different because of an acknowledgement of that power. 
But this week's passage doesn't continue down the, the, the path, the argument of fear God and obey. It calls us into a relationship. It tells us about a loving Father and that in our love for Him, that we should obey Him. Then in our love for Him, we keep His commandments. So verses 2 and then again in verse 3, it tells us why it's important for us to keep God's commandments. In verse 2, it says that your days may be prolonged. And then in verse 3, it says that it may go well with you. We hear God's commandments. We hear God's rules and His expectations. And sometimes when, when I hear rules, like deep inside of me, somebody tells me you're not allowed to do that. And the first thing that I think of is I want to do it now. I wasn't ever interested in it before, but now I want to go do it because they told me I can't. And I think we look at God that way sometimes, that we hear these instructions, these commandments, these, these things that God has told us in His Word, and we hear them and we think God's being a big old meanie pants, that God's trying to keep me from something that will bring me happiness. When in reality, God is a loving Father who wants what's best for His children, and as a loving father who wants what's best for his children. If we would trust that, if we would truly believe that he, he wants our best in everything that he's commanded us, it changes the way that we respond. When we realize that he wants what's best for us, we're far more willing to, to trust what he has to say and trust that, that maybe we should obey. The next couple of verses that we're going to look at, verses 4 and 5, these are two of the most well-known and, and special verses in all of the Scripture. In uh, Jewish faith, in the, the Old Testament, these words, the, these verses had a name. They were referred to as the Shema. And Shema is the word that we see, the first word in verse 4, hear. Some of your translations may say, listen. We want to read those together in just a minute. But before we do, that Shema, these verses that we're going to look at, they had become a Jewish confession of faith that was recited day in, day out, two times a day, every single day. It was that important to these Jewish believers. Many Jewish children, even as they were just growing up, just learning to speak some of their first words, it was important for them to memorize and to be able to recite the Shema with mom and dad, with their family. So with that said, let's look at verses 4 and 5 and see what these verses are. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. That word Shema, that word that's translated here in our translation here, meaning listen, is a word that means far more than just perceiving with your senses that noises are, are, you know, sound waves are going into your ears. We acknowledge that. We know that because sometimes we talk about the difference between hearing and listening when we think about engagement with our kids, right? Wives, I'm sure if you're anything like my wife, you have these thoughts sometimes about your husband. I have an incredible gift. My wife doesn't think it's a gift. She thinks it's a curse. But I would argue that I have an incredible gift, that in all the chaos at my house, I'm able to just tune everything out. Like, I know that there's noise going on around me, and I hear that there's 
that there's noise, but I'm not listening to a bit of it. My kids will come over and will be talking to me, and, and Carrie will see that I'm just totally off in my own little world. Babe, the kids are, Sadie's trying to talk, talk to you. Peyton's trying to say something. Pay attention. I'm hearing, but I'm not listening. It's not, it's not sinking in. This word here, Shema, it means more than just hear. It means hear and listen. Listen and, and do something with what you're hearing. Listen and obey. And so as we talk about these verses, we start by reading these verses. We can see really quickly that these are talking about uh, discipling, investing, uh, putting what God has given us into someone else. The word disciple uh, simply means follower. The Bible tells us that we're called to make disciples, but disciple's not just a word that talks about making people who follow God. Disciple was a word that was used in biblical times of any time that you were following someone and trying to learn what they did, you would be their disciple. So you could be a disciple of a carpenter. You could be a disciple of a fisherman. You could be a disciple of any number of trades. And that meant that you were following the master around and, and seeing how he did things so that you might be able to learn how to do them as well. And so when we talk about discipling, we talk about making followers, I think that's important for us to look at these verses and start by asking the question, who is it that's called to love the Lord your God? Is it your children? It says you. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. I think kids have an incredible way of, of picking up on hypocrisy. When we say something and it doesn't really resonate as true from our hearts, it's not really what's going on inside of us, kids have a great way of picking that up. People in general have a pretty good way of picking that up. But for some reason, we think we're better at it than everybody else. And like, everybody else can't see what I know to be true inside of me. Sometimes our kids will even call us out on it, Right? Dad, I know you told me to do that, but that's not what you do. And you kind of, you know, you, you cross your arms. You go, Just do what I say. Don't, don't, this isn't about me. This is about you. Do what I told you to do. But do what I told you to do is not the way that we can truly lead our kids to, to make effective change. The best way for us to yield that influence is to say, follow me. Let me show you what this looks like. It's important to me, and I want it to be important for you as well. When it's true in our lives, it can be true for us to pass it on to someone else, to our kids. People know what's important to us by the way that we act. If we're talking about passing on our faith, passing on our love of the Lord to the next generation, this conversation is not about what we think of Him, what we intellectually believe about Him. It's talking about loving Him with everything that we have. These verses, they, they talk about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. We could spend three weeks worth of sermons just talking about what the nuances and the different things and, and the, the pictures of what those all meant, but the, there's a little bit of nuance there that I want to just share really, really briefly. That word that's translated soul is the, the Hebrew word nefesh. It literally means the, the throat. It literally means the, the life. 
when it's translated a lot of the different times where it's translated, it's not referring simply to this immaterial thing that kind of lives inside of us. It's referring to everything about that person. Means the entire life of everything that happens in you while you're alive. That's what this word nefesh is referring to. So when it says that we should love the Lord our God with all of our soul, it means everything that is in you, every corner of your being should love the Lord. The word strength that's translated here, it's the word ma'od. And it's translated as might or translated as strength. But there's another word, there's a different Hebrew word that means physical power to lift things. It's not talking about just our physical oomph. Ma'od is an adverb. It's a, it's a verb that we, an adverb that we tack on to something to give it emphasis. And really what it's translated as most often is very or much. In Genesis 1, God said after every day, he, he looked at the creation, he said that it was good. But in verse 31, as he comes to the end of his creation work, he looks at it and he says that it's very good, that it's ma'od good. Genesis 7, we see uh, talking about Noah and the flood, and it talks about how the flood waters rose to the point that as the whole world was being flooded, that the flood waters became ma'od powerful, that they were very powerful, that they were much powerful. So if we think of this word strength, we think of this word that the best way that we could translate it, and it sounds weird, but is that we love God with our muchness with everything that is in us, every corner of ourselves, that as much as we can possibly give to Him, that we love God with all of us, as strongly and as, as passionately as we can. It, I know it sounds weird, but I think you kind of you follow along, right? So let's agree. Let's move forward and agree we want to Love the Lord our God with everything that's in us. Every corner of our being, as much strength and power as we can muster, we love God that much. But now, how do we pass it along to our kids? How do we pass that along to those that we have influence in? How do we make it all fit? Today's not a great time for me to suggest this because we actually did get an extra hour today. But we talk about doing more stuff for the Lord, how about investing in the next generation, we don't get extra time, right? We don't get to just add on, well, God, I'll give you some, but we're going to need 26 hours in a day, so I've got time to do that. Our lives are busy, right? I've got four kids at home, and I know from before the time the sun comes up to well after the sun goes down, my house is a little bit crazy most of the time. I get it. Things are chaotic. And the good news is that the Bible saw your concern coming and it's got uh, suggestions and things that we can glean from this as we look at the rest of our verses. So let's look. We're going to read verse 4 and 5 again and then continue on through verse 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. 
you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This passage gives us some great suggestions, really simple things of when can we actually do this? I want to use the things that God's put in me and invest that into someone else, but when and how can I do that? Well, the first thing it says that when you sit in your house, you can talk of the things of the Lord. Anybody have opportunities to sit at home with their family this week? You got a couch at home? Boom! We just gave you your first discipleship tool. Congratulations, you're prepared now. You have the resources that you need. We all have time, right? We all have opportunities when things slow down, when there's a quiet opportunity where we have opportunities to talk if we take advantage of them, right? One of the things that my mind goes to immediately with this is mealtimes. We, as a family, we, we fight really hard to try to make sure that we have those times where we can sit around the table. I know everybody's busy, and a lot of the times there's instances where we go through the drive through and dinner is like throwing chicken nuggets over my shoulder into the back seat. And, and, and that happens sometimes. But as much as we're able to, let's fight for mealtimes when we can pray and thank God for how He's worked and blessed our family with this food. About how we can just sit and have 20 or 30 minutes to talk about how was your day? What did you learn today? How, how are your relationships? Whatever it might be, we can engage and talk and connect with our families. Let's take advantage of those opportunities when we have them. What else does it say? It says, when you walk by the way. Not many of us walked here this morning, but I think in 2019, the best way for us to translate this would be, hey, when you're driving in the car, use that time, use those opportunities to invest in someone else. Parents, by the time you finally get everyone buckled into their seats and snapped and clicked and and everybody's piled in, and you finally get an opportunity to drive everybody wherever it is that you're going, you have a captive audience because they literally are tied to their chairs. They cannot get up and go anywhere. They get to talk to you. Take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of those times where you can turn the DVD player off and turn the devices off and ask questions. As you leave church today, your children hopefully are upstairs in the classes that I know that if they're here, they are hearing a story about how great our God is, about one of the great ways that God has worked throughout human history. And as you buckle them into your seats and as you're going to lunch or as you're going home today, ask questions. What did you learn about in your story today? Simple little things like that can go a long way as we engage and teach our kids in the day in and the day out. It also says we can speak of these things of the Lord when we lie down and when we rise up. This one is probably the easiest in our house because it's something that we've done historically ever since our kids were just little babies. You have bedtime routines, right? You have routine that when you're getting up or when you're putting the kids to bed, you, you do certain things a lot of the time, right? We've got to brush everybody's teeth. We've got to uh, get everybody snuggled up in their beds. And, and my kids, we made praying an important thing that we do, I don't ask them if they want to pray. I ask them who wants to pray when we lay down in bed at night. They always want to read a bedtime story. Let that bedtime story be a story about the greatness of our God and how He's worked in the past. Find yourself a good story Bible 
and use those as opportunities to invest in your children as you have those few minutes to lay down with them at the end of the night. Maybe you don't have kids, couples, husband, wife. Laying down in bed at the end of the night is a great opportunity not to sit and get caught up on the news of the day on your phone, but to lay next to your partner and, and talk to them about how their day was. Pray with them. Spend time investing in that relationship during the five or ten minutes or however long it takes you before you collapse and fall asleep at the end of the night. When you lie down and when you rise up. Verse 8 and 9 talks about binding God's word to their foreheads and to their doorposts. Jewish people, Jewish believers took this very literally. They had these things called phylacteries that they would hang on their foreheads. And they had these other uh, tools called mezuzah that they would hang on their doorposts that would literally put Scripture in front of them as they were walking around with it attached to their heads. And as they would enter into their homes, it was on the doors. Everywhere they would go, it was on the doors. I'm not sure that for us, I, I, I thought about having these made and giving them out to everybody as we were leaving. I don't think it would fit with many of your outfits, but uh, here's what I do see here. God's Word was always, always, always a part of every aspect of their life. Everywhere they went, they, they had it on their foreheads because it meant that, that God was with them wherever they went, that God's Word would go with them wherever they went. And I think for us today, it's important for us. Guys, God's Word goes with us wherever we go too. If you add a Bible app to your phone, God's Word goes with you. You have access to that wherever you may be. But it's not just about having it there. It's about allowing God to play a central role that in every decision, that in everything that we do, that every conversation that we have, every relationship, every show or movie that we watch, everything that we do, God should be central in that and God should play a role in that. So as we come to the last few verses, we're going to look at verses 10 through 15. I think these verses provide a great caution for us and they're, they're really important for us where we're at in Anaheim Hills, in Southern California, in 2019, because these verses provide a caution for us that we need to hear today. Starting in verse 10, it says, Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities that you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship Him and swear by His name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. We remember that if we read this in context, these are words that are being spoken from Moses to the people who have been wandering around in the desert for the last 38, 40 years. As they've been wandering around in the desert, things have been pretty tough. When things are tough, it's easy for us to go to the Lord, right? When things are hard, when somebody gets sick, when the money's running short, we, we, we 
we go to God and we pray and we ask Him for help. God, we need You now because I need You to work because this is going wrong. But they were getting ready to go into the promised land where there was wealth, there were homes, there were vineyards, there were all these things they were going to be given. Life was going to get a lot better, right? And the caution for us today is that when life gets good, when things get comfortable, when things are going well, don't forget the Lord. We need God just as much when things are going well as we do when things are going poorly. But it's tough for us to remember sometimes. It says, you shall only fear the Lord your God, and you shall worship Him and swear by His name. In verse 12 it says, watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord. Watch yourself. For me, it's a good reminder. Watch myself. When things are good, when things are comfortable, when there's enough, do we still believe that God should be central in everything for us? We have to be intentional about keeping God at the center. So now what? I've spent a lot of time uh, in the past 10, 12, 15, however however many years it's been uh, of my life, investing in families, working with families with children, working with teenagers, investing in seeing homes love the Lord and lead their children well. And I, in most of my conversations, I don't think a willingness to disciple, to lead their families, to lead their grandkids, to, to influence people, I don't think it's a lack of desire. I truly believe that, that when we get together, when I look at all of you, I see people who generally believe and say, yeah, I should be investing in people. I should be taking what God has given me and giving it to someone else. I don't think it's a lack of desire, but I do think it's important for us to have some some how steps planned out. To have a a plan of attack where we're ready. So in just the last minute or so, I want to give you guys a couple of resources. Parents, get your phones ready. Take pictures. These are good resources that as you try to invest in your children... Grandparents, as you try to invest in your kids and in your grandkids, take these uh, suggestions, these opportunities, take some notes, and we want to make this really, really simple and easy for you. If you've got a preschooler or a young elementary student, the Jesus Storybook Bible is a great resource that tells the stories of who God is, of how God's worked in history, and if it does a great job of taking those stories and pointing all of them back to Jesus. That all of us need His help. And every single story breathes the name of Jesus in it. Maybe you've got kids that are a little bit older. That one's kind of focused on younger kids. If your kids are older, pick up the Gospel Story Bible. The Gospel Story Bible is another great one that I love reading with my kids. And this one, it's got some incredible artwork. I just love looking at the pictures sometimes. But as we read through the Bible stories, again... It points things back to the fact that we are broken and that we need a Savior, and it makes everything about this central story of Jesus and redemption throughout the story of the Bible. Build a theological library for your family. Parents, grandparents, we've got toys laying all over the place most of the time, right? The house is full of collections of video games and board games and card games and toys and all of those things Pick up some books, invest a little bit of money in books like these story Bibles and books like 
uh, The Ology. I love that book. I've read most of it with my kids. It does a great job of talking about the things of God, and it does it in a really approachable way where it gives us opportunities. Maybe you feel as inept and unqualified as I do sometimes in trying to pass these things on to my kids. Spend $15 on a resource and just commit to doing it. Just commit to using it. Maybe you've got older kids. Maybe you've got teenagers. Maybe you don't have a family at home to invest in at all, but, but you're taking this as an opportunity to connect with an adult, a coworker, someone that you're mentoring. What should you do with them? Ask good questions. That's all it boils down to. Ask open-ended questions because if you've got teenagers especially, uh, you'll know as well as I do that a lot of the time you just get a, uh, right? You guys, you're, you're back there. You're in here. A lot of the times we just grunt when mom and dad ask us something, right? You know, uh, uh, no, yeah. Ask open-ended questions. Don't ask something that, that allows for a yes or no. Ask questions like, how do you feel about that? Ask questions like, what's God been teaching you lately? Ask questions like, how can I be praying for you? By asking questions like, do you have any questions about God? Any questions about what you've been learning in 180? Any questions about what you've read in the Bible lately? Asking things like that, we don't always have to have all the answers, but it gives us an opportunity to engage and to talk with people. And the most important thing about asking those good questions is being ready to answer them yourself as well. Because it's not fair for us to ask our kids, how can I be praying for you and not be ready to answer that if they ask us? It's not fair for us to ask them, what's God been teaching you lately and not be willing to answer that ourselves? So as God has been working in our lives, we're prepared to share that with our kids as well and with our coworkers as well and with our friends and our neighbors as well. There's a quote by Mark Holmgren uh, that I think kind of summarizes all of this well. It says, As a parent who's trying to lead your children to know, love, and follow Christ, it comes down to, do you know, love, and follow Christ? We can't give someone else something that we don't have. And so as we want to lead our homes well, as we want to lead our families well, as we want to take those opportunities that we have to invest what we have in someone else. The first question is, do you have it? Do you really love the Lord your God with everything that's inside of you? If you do, passing that on becomes a lot easier. As we love God, as we value God, as we prioritize God, we pass that on to the people around us. As we finish up, I want to take just a moment as we close and pray for our families. Pray for moms and dads that they would lead their homes well. Pray for grandmothers and grandfathers who would lead their families and would take opportunities as they have them to invest the things that they know of the Lord into the people that they have influence over. Pray that all of us, parent or not, grandparent or not, that we would take opportunities to invest what God has given us into someone else, to go and make disciples of all the nations like Jesus has called us to. So I want to pray, and as I'm praying, I'm going to invite the band to come up. 
If you need more prayer after the service is over, our prayer team will be down here after communion and everything is over. Let's not just talk about it. Let's go to the Lord and ask Him to work in us and work through us to make a difference in the next generation. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for your love for us. We are so thankful that we can gather together and we can talk about your greatness and we can talk about your goodness and we can talk about loving you with everything that's inside of us. And as we do that, we can also be challenged to pass that love on to another generation. God, we pray for moms and dads who are dealing with so much in life. They're dealing with and juggling so many different things that that intentionally influencing their children is difficult sometimes. God, we pray that you would give them the opportunity and the ability to lead their children well. God, we want to pray for grandmas and granddads. God, that they would look for opportunities to love their children, to lead their children, and also to lead their grandchildren or their great-grandchildren. God, that as they have opportunities to talk around the holiday dinner, as they have opportunities to babysit and to watch the kids for mom and dad, God, we pray that in those opportunities that their love for you, that their value of who you are in their lives would overflow and would influence their children and their grandchildren. God, we pray that all of us, that every single one of us meeting here today, that call you Lord, that call you King, that say that we have given our lives to you. God, that if that is true of us, you are very clear that it is our responsibility to take that message, to take the good news, and to give it to someone else. So God, we pray that all of us, family or not, children or not, God, that we would be investing what you have given us into someone else. God, help us to love people well. Help us to lead people to love you well. God, use us as missionaries in our homes. Use us as missionaries in the world so that more people might know your greatness and worship you just like we do. Father, we pray for you to work in our lives, and we thank you for all that you've done. Amen.